On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses Tormato. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair and on this episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends Ken Gregory, Paul Zotter, and for the first time, J.D. Virgilio. Very excited to have him on board as we discuss the Yes album from 1978, Tormato. Um, few uh, notes regarding this episode. There were some telephony problems. We've done our best to edit them out, but they are there, so we apologize for that. And just as a fair warning, um, before we get into it, Tormato is not the group's favorite Yes record. This is great. I'm, I'm very so, good to uh, yeah. very good to have you on uh, on board tonight. This should be very exciting. All right. Since we've had our technical difficulties, shall we get right to it? Sure. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this evening we are going to start out talking about Yes Tormato. It was released in 1978 was self-produced yet again, and I think we'll probably get into that a little bit uh, later, was released on the al- or the label Atlantic, has the, uh, you know, once again, the classic lineup, if you will, of John Anderson, Chris Squire, Steve Howe, Rick Wakeman, and Alan White. And the blurb is as follows. Tormato is the ninth studio album by the English rock band Yes!, released on 22 September 1978 by Atlantic Records. It is their last album recorded with singer John Anderson and keyboardist Rick Wakeman prior to their departure from the group in 1980. After wrapping their tour in support of their previous album, Going for the One, the band gathered in London in February 1978 to record a new album. The band encountered several issues that hindered its potential, including their overall direction, the decision to produce it by themselves, and its uneven quality. Tormato received a mixed critical reception upon release, but was a commercial success. It peaked at number 8 in the UK and number 10 in the US. Don't Kill the Whale was released as a single in the UK, which reached number 36. Tormato continued to sell in the US and is certified platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America. For selling over one million copies, That's yes, mind-boggling. <laughs> yes, supported the album with the commercially successful 1978-79 tour, with concerts performed in the round. Tormato was remastered for CD in 1994 and 2004. The latter contains several previously unreleased tracks from the album's recording sessions. Tormato. How in the what? world? How in the world was "Don't Kill the Whale" the single? 
That's the worst song of the album. <laughs> I, you know, and it might have been. And, and Ken, Ken, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to you here to, to, to maybe, hopefully, provide some context because well, I answer that question directly, Jay. Uh, it was the single because Madrigal's impossible, arriving UFO is impossible. Circus of Heaven, hell no, that ever be a signal. <laughs> just a love song. I mean, it, uh, 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 it, by process of elimination, it had to be done for a while. Um, yes, I buy that. And it was, it was, it was topical at the time. I mean, I guess we would have been eight years old, but I, I seem to remember something about whales. It was, it was, it was, it was, you know, current events. So, um, uh, you know. Future times rejoice is just a little crazy. Yeah, it just it just had to be, and 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 it and it just the overall. There's nothing wrong with the overall sound. Uh, I think it just sounds funny because of the subject matter. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I I get your uh, reasoning, and yeah, you know, I largely buy it. Um, although I think maybe future times rejoice could have been pulled off in light of. You know all their previous work, uh, but I just—it's the one song that stands out to me as being so uh, nasty with just like wanking guitars, just kind of like soloing all through the song, and not being particularly musical. I don't know. Yeah, uh, 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 yeah. Steve Howell was uncontrolled on this whole album. And it, it and it shows and, and and I wish that everything he did was just an idea track and it was all redone, overdubbed. You know, there, there's there's just way too many notes going on here. It, it's it's distracting, it's annoying, and whatever magic they had with self-producing and going for the one, they just flushed it all down the toilet with this, as far as I'm concerned. And you know, I I just I. I honestly don't know what to make of this record. There's there's virtually nothing about this that inspires me, moves me, nothing. It's it's like Jay said, it's just a big wank fest. And, you know, we started out, if you guys remember, when we were talking about, you know, the early albums, Close to the Edge, the Yes album, Fragile, and we were talking about, you know, sort of the the ambiguity or the lack of of clarity or, or particular understanding of John's lyrics. No one ever knew what the hell John was actually singing about. <laughs> and Don't Kill the Whale, we know exactly what John is singing about, and we couldn't give a shit less. Totally <laughs> 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 unrewarding. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it is. It's like, that's what's behind the curtain? I don't care. Put the curtain back. Do I remember correctly that didn't Dan have like a soft spot in his heart for this album? I don't remember. Does anyone remember? You know, you know, as as much as he liked Steve Howe and as frequently as he played Mood for a Day, I'm sure he appreciated the creativity of Steve Howe in this album at some level. Uh, this something to be said for the the inspiration go ahead paul i think one one of the 
under underestimated under under acknowledged problems the that with the um the fact that marijuana use is illegal and has been for many decades is we don't really have a good economic structure to understand how much was being used when in comparative <laughs> rate, which I think could explain some of the popularity of some of the Yes albums that we've listened to, Tormato being one of them. Like, maybe everyone was just totally baked, and that's why Tormato went to number eight. <laughs> well, as I said in the last episode, Tormato should be considered... Rick Wakeman's monitor mix at an impromptu gig in an elementary school <laughs> parking lot. It, then it all kind of makes sense because it, it, it's just, they're entertaining somebody. And maybe that person, maybe that person is smoking something that turns them into a juvenile. I don't really know. But they, they're definitely shooting for uh, a lower audience, a lower academic level, a lower uh, something here. Well, I, you know, and that's interesting, Ken. One of us had made the point uh, on the Going for the One episode about, um, maybe it was one of the critics had said that, that Yes had sort of lowered their sights for Going for the One, which I'm not necessarily sure I agree with, but I think it certainly applies here. <laughs> 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 oh my god alright sounds finished like they ran out of money or something well yeah, yeah. and it you know it, it <laughs> I just there's just so much now Jay I'm, I'm glad you're here because <laughs> because I need your perspective on this and I was I was I was gonna just sort of run down the list of songs and give my very, very short, you know, critique of them. But I let's just let's just go right to the most egregious, in my opinion, the most egregious transgression in this entire album, Don't Kill the Whale included. And that's release release. Really? Okay. <laughs> and and Jay, no offense, because you know, you know I love a good drummer. Right. But has any rock band ever put a drum solo in a recorded song before? <laughs> and as if that isn't weird enough. Oh it, yeah, 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 it, yeah, yeah. It wasn't even like it was a really good solo. It was, it, to me, it was very pedestrian, and no one's ever done it. It seems kind of weird. Comes out of left field, and then as if that isn't bad enough, someone says. You know what's going to make this better? Let's let's put in some crowd noise. That'll be awesome. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I knew what you were the, going to say that. What the fuck is that? <laughs> this is this is self-production gone amok. Release, release. The boogie yes. woogie verses could almost be from the Muppet movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, and. You know, maybe, maybe to well. So, hang on a second. So, so Jay, as a drummer, yeah. When when you heard that section, did was there some part of you that said, "Huh, it's about time they gave the drummer some space," or did you say, "Really, this is kind of weird"? 
Uh, no, I mean, uh, yeah, a drum solo in the middle of a song like that, especially kind of like a, I don't know what do you call it, a rockabilly or, a, you know, it, it's kind of old fashioned in the, in the, in, in the style of, the, of that drum solo. And then, yeah, when the crowd noise kicks in, it that's just like, you don't need that. You certainly don't need that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I, I don't think it's a bad solo. And, uh, you know, Alan White's playing is kind of, um, well, it's much more straightforward than Bill Bruford's. So, um, you know, maybe that rubs you the wrong way. But I actually, it's more relatable to me anyway. Well, no, and, and you know, I don't, I don't, I've never really had any problem with, with Alan throughout all of this. I know in the first couple of episodes um, where we talk about Yes, um, which haven't dropped yet, so you haven't heard them, we we rhapsodized about Bill Bruford and what Bill brought to the table that maybe none of us as young men would have appreciated. That being said, um, you know, I, I grew up, as it were, with Alan White. And, I, you know, I'm... I'm very much into Alan White, and as we move into into drama, which is really, in, in my mind, the Chris and Alan show, you know, he he's critical to all of that. So, uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to bag on on Alan in any way, shape, or form. It just, it, you know, it, it just like I said to me, it's the most egregiously weird thing in a very very strange album to begin with. Um, it just I, I, I sure. every time I hear it, I just want to like. Yeah, it 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 it's it's revolting. Um, it gets me. Um, I, I like the way it starts. Um, there is a rockabilly element that comes from from Steve and Alan playing together. Prior to that, I'm thinking like you know Gene Cooper or something because it's just like it's gonna do a lot of toms. It's gonna be a little jungly, but it's. 70s and and i'm cool with the drums what gets me is how sloppy steve executes that rockabilly stuff getting out of it because alan is actually really tight i i I would say like going for the one is the peak of alan's career you know and then maybe uh you know drama i would have to think about that one for a while but definitely going for the one alan has has really found his place and yes and he, he's just driving the bus and even here when it sounds goofy he's still driving the bus uh, uh but it, it's all the sloppy stuff over top um i think chris and alan did a fantastic job on Tormato. if you could just take away the keyboards and guitars and just have alan and chris it would be probably a really great album and and you know it's it's not even just the keyboards and the guitars Honestly, as I was listening to this album again tonight in preparation for this, I, the singing is... <laughs> yeah. You know, Paul, you, you've been talking for episodes now on how, you know, Steve Howe's guitar tone gets in your head and rattles your brain. I, I just, I felt like John was just screaming at me all night. And it, I just, why? You know, it, and as melodic as John has been and can be, he's just screechy here. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I feel like it's a little bit of the production that's kind of dry, and there's harmonies, and it, you know. And I think in some of these songs, like, the lyrical passages don't help, and, like, 
it seems it seems rushed at times to end release release to me. It's funny. I think on the wikis I read that that they listened to that guitar or the drum solo with the crowd noise at and and one of the record executives from Atlantic showed up and um he liked that part so much he thought the whole record should sound like that. But yeah, like I compliment you, Joe, on being able to listen to this again uh, in preparation for tonight. Um, and he, and here's here's the thing with Tormato. When I when I put it on, if I put it on, like if I just go pick out a Yes album and I pick Tormato and I listen to it, it's it's fine. I can appreciate everything that's happening there, but particularly when you listen to some of these songs in order or these albums in order, like how can you can go from going for the one to, and the, and just the absolutely, I mean, we talked about awaken and what an amazing masterpiece it is and the beautiful ending. And then like it flips right over to, to this album. And it's just like, how is that? Is that possible? How is it possible? I, I just want to, you know, run down the track list here and give my very brief synopsis. Future times rejoice too long. Don't kill the whale. Done. <laughs> Magical. No comment. Harpsichord, man. Release, release. Too many notes. Ridiculous drum solo. Arriving UFO and Circus of Heaven inane. <laughs> onward onward good on the silent wings of freedom tries to be good um, so that was you know that th th that was sort of how I I thought of everything as I was you know going through this and you know future times rejoice just I don't know it, it drives me crazy we've already abused don't kill the whale um, we've abused release release Arriving UFO and Circus of Heaven, I, I, if someone can explain to me what the hell they were thinking about, it, there's just, there's nothing about those songs that that does anything. I I don't even know why they exist. Anyway, there's there's a track called Money, which is, it's it's a silly song, and I think it's supposed to be silly. But honestly, it's so much more palatable than either one of these. I just don't get it. Um, so, yeah, there you go. And Onward. Now, Onward is... Um, Onward was always very beautiful. It's very serene. Um, you know, it's, it's the one song on this album that sort of evokes any sort of emotion for me. Well, it survived. But, the, it, it, it was still played live for years afterwards, right? And and what really, what really sort of cements it for me. And I, Paul, did did you see? Yes, the <laughs> the first tour after <laughs> Paul. I need, I need you back here. No, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. They did it. They did the, the Chris Squire tribute to Onward, right? Exactly. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't on, see that before, but I saw the videos of it. So on, hmm. and and maybe when we when we release this, maybe we should 
find a link to one of those videos and put it up. Because on that first tour after Chris had passed away, they they opened the show and they played onward. Like they just the the recorded the, the album version. Um, they just let it play and then they I believe they faded to black and then the band came out and started the regular set. And, you know, that was that was something. So I um, think I, in ret- I, in retrospect, I think Chris Squire um, <clears throat> referred to that as the, the greatest song he he ever wrote. Um, and for me, I, I can honestly tell you, Onward is the saving grace of Tomato for me. It is it is one of my favorite Yes songs, um, bar none. I think it is absolutely gorgeous. It is, you know, we, we talked a little bit before about some of the songs uh, that you can tell when Chris Squire has written the whole song and everyone else is just kind of like playing on top of it and compared to other things, it's 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 uh, mediocre, but perhaps in an, in an entire album of mediocrity, um, the Chris Squire piece um, stands out. But Onward is, you know, I'm with you, Joe. It's it's a beautiful song. It's one of my favorites. And um, it's, you know, it's a, it's a song that inspires me. So. And, and, and given the fact that it's in the middle of this just mess, where no one can sort of contain themselves in any way, shape, or form, and, and so then it, it the, the album finishes up with On the Silent Wings of Freedom. And I I remember sort of liking this as a younger man. And as I got back into this album, you know, preparing for this episode, I was like, oh, yeah, On the Silent Wings of Freedom. I, I remember that was kind of okay. And I, I just, I, I can't. And it tries to be good, and there are parts of it. But again, it just, everything kind of gets out of control, and no one can can bring it back together. So it's, you know, it, it has parts that I think are, are interesting, but it's just, it's, it's a mess. Yeah. I think with silent wings of freedom, it, 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 it sounds like a Chris song. And usually the Chris songs are better when they're simple. Yeah. And it sounds like one of the few Chris songs where he let everybody just kind of freak out in the middle. And not, not always a good thing. And, 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 and listening to his solo material, I think he has the same problem. When he sticks to his guns and he puts in his creation, you can tell it's him. But then even his studio musicians just go bonkers and he lets tracks go too long. Uh, Silent Wings of Freedom, you know... Seven and three quarters minutes. It didn't need to be that long. They they could no. have made a brilliant song in, in half the time. Yeah, I, I agree. It definitely could have been. Yeah. So, you know, for me, if if we're talking about Tormato, I you know, as I was and maybe it's because I was I was doing production on on the um, on the salvage.com <laughs> episode this weekend. But I was like, yeah, salvage.com, onward, flush the rest, I'm done. Wow, that's brutal. That's brutal. <laughs> With this format, it's hard. It is pretty brutal. I would, I would, sorry, Ken. Oh, with this format, it's hard for me to go back and point out the gems. Uh, but the gems are sections, not necessarily entire songs. Well, yeah, exactly. That's well said. 
Well said. I um I would add Madrigal to that list. I like that song a lot too. Um, to me, it's just like the melody line is classic John Anderson. Yes, the lyrics are um, cosmic and unintelligible, <laughs> and it's everything that you want from a John Anderson piece of music. Um, and I really like, and I, I, um, I, you know, I've never, I've never been shy about letting people know that Tormato is not my favorite Yes album. Uh, we, we, we haven't really talked about the, some of the technical things that happen here, but Jay, did you catch any of the odd times in either, uh, future times rejoice or, uh, anywhere else on the album? Uh, no, I can't say that I paid much attention to the time signatures on this album um i know what i like about it i like that future times rejoice release release and on the silent wings of freedom they all kind of rock um they move they have energy whereas you guys uh, you know if you find anything that you like about it, you seem to like the slower more melodic stuff magical and onward um but that's you know i guess that's why i'm not a huge yes fan i like certain things about them and you guys like other things about them uh, I, I even actually like Arriving UFO because it's so quirky. It's so sing-songy. You know, it's got the <laughs> the worst keyboard sound you've ever heard. But uh, And I, I can't listen to the lyrics and keep a straight face, but I like it. <laughs> I, I guess it's just the quirkiness of this whole album that gets me. Well, now, you know, I... I, I Jay, the, 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 the syncopated keyboards halfway through Arriving UFO that Rick's doing... I guess I guess it's not on time, but whatever it is, it's just so against the grain. I I, I love it. So I, I see textures all over the place in this album that that they don't necessarily try in other places. So it's a it's it's a train wreck, but but it's but it's you know kind of like something growing. It's got so much potential all over it, and it does rock. Hmm. Right, you know, and, and I think. You know, Jay, the fact that you're here this evening, you know, speaks to, you know, these two albums, Tormato and Drama, are not, you know, your average Yes album. So for someone who maybe isn't into, you know, the rest of the overdone, you know, progressive whatever, you know, it, it makes sense that, you know, these two albums, which are, you know, a little bit out of the groove, as it were, yeah. um, would would maybe appeal to you more than, you know, I don't know, Tails, <laughs> for yeah. example. Yeah, and, and drama more so. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and you know, I, I'm I'm I've been itching for two weeks to get into drama. I just I I literally can't wait. I'm just so excited. There. There's one interesting thing that I that I wanted to point out, and I'm not going to play it. I'll put this in the notes. So the end of Circus of Heaven, Joe, earlier, you were wondering what could have been the reason for Circus of Heaven, I think is how you put it. I suggest there could be a possibility of one of two reasons, one being LSD, the other one being the aforementioned marijuana. Um, 
I think it stemmed from him reading a Ray Bradbury book. But nonetheless, at three minutes and 10 seconds of Circus of Heaven, they start a progression, which is hauntingly familiar to the very end of Hearts from 90125, uh, beginning around minute seven. So I, um, you know, we've, it's just interesting to me, like it just hit me one day while I was listening to it and I was like, that really sounds familiar and it took me a little bit of time, but I was able to find it. So um, I'll really? put that on the notes. I think there was a little bit of a song lifting going on. Um, and I guess they figured, well, you know, probably very few people got to three minutes in the circus of heaven. So we could probably go back and uh, take the melody from there. Or it just happened accidentally, I'm sure. Well, but you put a pin in that, because that's going to come up here very shortly um, again. But now I'm fascinated, because I love hearts. Just love it. Yeah. So if there's any sort of cross-pollination to the, the, well, let's be honest, the steaming pile of dog shit that is uh, <laughs> Circus of Heaven, I, 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 need to, I need to know and explore this. I, I will put it up on the page uh, so so you have it. It's it's pretty cool. Would it be okay if we played a, a quick little game about oh. with thermometers? I, I would love to play a quick little game, Paul. Jay, Jay and Ken, are you guys up for this? Sure. <laughs> okay. Okay. I am going to go through a small list of albums released in the same year as Termato, 1978. Okay, And I don't want you to think too hard about it. And I just want your thought as whether this album that I'm going to read off is better or worse than, than Tormato. Okay, better or worse than Tormato. Albums from 1978. Okay, is this better or worse than Tormato? Van Halen's Van Halen. Wow. Wow. Is any comparison there? This is what this album was up against. Um, uh, here's one that hits close to home these days. Even Now by Barry Manilow. Wow. Better or, or, or worse? This is better. I would rather <laughs> Don't Kill the Whale than Barry Manilow. <laughs> Ow. well i mean even even now is a very pristine sounding song so uh i'm sure a lot of effort went into that i'm sure it's a masterpiece even even the tracks i don't know possibly okay peter gal i'm sorry peter gabriel's second album oh good lord much better than this Right? Foreigners Double Vision. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very slick album. Yep. Um, incidentally, um, I believe the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band movie came out, and the uh, soundtrack always came out um, as well. Um, Boston's epic follow up, Don't Look Back. Well. Much, much better. I think, you know, like, to, to me, this is the, the part that I find um, fun about this. On all four of the Kiss solo albums came out in 1978 as well. So, in fact, they came out in the same month 
this motto. So, so this is the fun part about this. We sort of like focused in on like the yes sound and what it, it happens that sometimes we just lose perspective on what was happening in music, I do at least, at the same time. Yeah. And when you think about all of these like really good albums that were out that that just sounded completely different and I don't know, it just gives some good context to, to what was happening there. That was a fun okay. game, Paul. I'm glad Thanks we did for that. playing. Okay, so we've been slogging through Tormato for a full 30 minutes now. Does anyone have anything else they would like to say about it before we move on to something perhaps more interesting? I got a good list how uh, John Anderson used the word beautiful twice in the same verse in Circuit Seven. <laughs> Was that something beautiful, amazing, wonderful, extraordinary, beautiful? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's the controlled substance Paul was talking about. I right. think so. You know, and, and it's interesting because I actually, and I, I, I didn't have the time to go back, but I actually have a DVD of this tour where they did it in the ground and everything else. And I, I believe that was actually recorded in Philadelphia. Really? I watched it. Yeah, I watched it several times, and I my my memory of it is nothing remarkable in any way, shape, or form. And the video was really crappy, so that's why I didn't really make the time to go back and look at it. But uh, I may I may do it again just to uh, just to sort of put it in perspective. I would imagine that that has to be better than the actual album. It, it has to be. Yeah, yeah. It's true. See, um, this album brings uh, Wakeman's style alive. It just, it just, you know, how is out of control in maybe a less than productive way. He's an idea factory, but you know, with Wakeman, he he thinks in terms of brass. I think he played so much Bach and so many quartets and everything on his way, you know, as a keyboard student that he, you know, he's composing and he's articulating and a lot of brass styles. And I think this album is just, just kind of the letting that, that loose where he's just hammering in and he doesn't, worry about blending in or creating some kind of a mood he everything he plays is a little bit bombastic uh, i think i think he fares better under those conditions than how but it's still annoying but <laughs> but there are there are gems in the process that, that that's that that's why i call this that's what why i call this album rick wakeman's monitor mix hmm. i i can get behind that what I find funny about this album and, and, you know, after the tour is, you know, the departure of, of Rick and John. And, you know, according to the interviews and everything else, Rick and John were disgruntled that, you know, this wasn't the band that they, you know, they knew and loved. And 
there's there's so much about this that I find funny when and we've we've kind of talked around this um, and, and we've never I don't know that we've spoken explicitly about the yes personnel changes, but we have talked about sort of different people in the band coming in and out of orbit with each other and sort of the the seat of power shifting around. Sometimes it was, you know, um, it was John and Rick. Sometimes it was John and Steve. Sometimes it was, you know, Steve and Chris. And and it just kind of circles back around. And I think that that plays a part in it. But, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that, you know, Rick was put off by everything, you know, that John wanted to do in terms of tales and, and whatnot. And then here all of a sudden... John and Rick, which you could argue, and without getting too deep into it, you could argue were, you know, a lot of the problem on this album, and they're complaining that, you know, this isn't the group that they wanted to to be in, and it's just like, okay, whatever. So, you know, I, I, I just, that was something that sort of struck me today, that it was like, well, that's kind of a funny part about all of this. Now, I don't know if, you know, how much you guys have, have looked into it. Paul, you and I always seem to read the same thing on, on Wikipedia and whatnot. But apparently when Rick and John left, like, no one told anyone. And so when Jeff Downs and Trevor Horn came up with this song that they thought, yes, should do their manager apparently said well you guys should go to to the rehearsal and and you know show them and so they went and they're like well we're john and rick and and so anyway they they show up and they're like where are where are john and, and rick and you know i guess no one really told them that they didn't have a singer and a keyboardist and it you know, it was kind of a weird sort of transition, apparently. Uh, I was saying, I think sometimes you can you can credit the success of an album to the success of its predecessor. Um, the other thing that I just wanted to say, I just wanted to apologize for my little outburst um, earlier in the broadcast. <laughs> I, uh, you were talking about some of those songs, and I was struck by the humor of the type of desperation that must occur to someone to go listen to the previously unreleased tracks from Tormato. So <laughs> it's, it's a dedication to craft, Paul. That's all it is. I, I'm already streaming. Yes. In the round 1978. I mean, I just, I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Progressive Palaver. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation as we've enjoyed sharing it with you. We look forward next week or next episode to continuing our discussion as we move into 1980s drama. Um, in the meantime, uh, we would love to hear any of your thoughts, comments, questions, uh, whatever you might have. You can reach us on Twitter at Progpala. You can reach us via email 
We are progpala at gmail.com. And we are also available on Facebook and Instagram. And we do have a YouTube account. All of those um, include the name Progressive Palaver, and you'll find us. Progressive Palaver is, as always, available on iTunes and Google Play. And presumably anywhere else you can find the podcasts you like to listen to. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>